0: This is a Rooster Teeth production. A fleet of ships and submarines enter a cove covered with a blanket of fog, not knowing they are sailing to their deaths. The most powerful fleet in the ancient world advances on a small collection of islands intent on conquering them before a seemingly supernatural storm settles the score and one of America's greatest tragedies on land reveals a mysterious relic of the ocean.
1: I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. It's a little different today, guys. We've yeah. got We've got a few smaller stories that we've bundled together in an exciting little package, not unlike ESPN, Disney Plus, and Hulu. <laughs> Who do not sponsor this show. <laughs> they definitely do not. But anyway, yeah, since it's a bit of a grab bag, uh, in lieu of doing my flowery intros that everyone's always clamoring for, I'll instead just uh, recommend the dinner scene from Triangle of Sadness, the newest movie from director Ruben Ostlund.
0: Not also not a sponsor. <laughs>
1: also not a... No, I... Uh, Uh, Personally, I think people should watch the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, You haven't seen it yet. Uh, But if you had to just watch one part, there's a 15 to 20 minute chunk in the middle that I feel like really exemplifies the subjects that we've covered on this very show. It's horrifying and disgusting and at times, unfortunately, funny. Okay, I enjoyed the film quite a bit. A lot of it takes place at sea. Okay, And I seed my intro.
0: Yeah. So basically today we're covering three different incidents that are too big for an honorable mention, but maybe too small or not there's not enough information out there about them for a full episode yeah but we wanted to cover them either way it's true yeah we said we must cover these but i have to how, how? uh in, how? how folks we found a way the first of our uh, three tales is the battle of may january 31st 1918 the royal fleet set sail from roseth scotland gotta be saying that wrong The goal was to perform fleet exercises in the North Sea so they could hope to bring World War I to a close. To truly understand what led to the Battle of May, we need to understand a little bit of what was going on in the UK during the First World War. In June of 1914, the assassination of Austrian Archduke Franz Ferdinand prompted Austria to declare war against Serbia, forcing all of Europe to pick sides. By August of that year, the UK was under considerable amounts of pressure to join the conflict in support of France since the french revolution england and france have had a long-standing alliance this alliance is mostly viewed as positive by both parties especially considering how much time they spent at war over the course of history so much quite a bit yeah yeah the prime minister at the time was hh asquith and he had been elected based primarily on support from the liberal party the liberal party in particular wanted to back france both due to their long-standing alliance but also because they were concerned that with germany controlling belgium they might face considerable pressure along the coast of France if France fell. Belgium was supposed to be neutral, but with Germany knocking at the door, that neutrality was threatened. There were people who disagreed, but most of the disagreement was over why they hadn't gone to war sooner. Asquith wasn't about to turn against his own party and also risk ignoring a credible military threat, so he petitioned the king, and King George V declared war. The war lasted longer than anyone expected or wanted it to, and it had been a war full of disappointment for the UK. They had long prided themselves on their Royal Navy and its ability to maintain control of the North Sea. Remember, this is the same fleet that colonized and controlled most of the known world in the previous centuries. Mm. Yeah, but it was meeting its match in the German Navy. One battle in particular had shaken the UK's faith in their previously unshakable Navy. The Battle of Jutland, or as it's known in German, skager (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Took place May thirty first, nineteen sixteen, in the North Sea. That is the body of water separating the coast of Scotland from the coast of Denmark. Obviously, of course, it's considered one of the largest scale naval battles in modern history, and definitely the largest in World War One. The Germans knew that their navy was smaller and likely was no match for the Royal Navy, so they focused on strategy instead. It's important, to, yeah. Nah. <laughs> Brute force. It's important to note that this is also the first war to widely use submarines, and this is one of the earliest and biggest battles to include above-water and underwater fighting. That sounds scary.
1: God, imagine explaining that to to only a a previously above-water naval, uh, say, admiral. To a guy who
0: was born like 10 years earlier. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like, well, so we're fighting on ships.
0: Right, yeah, that's okay. And we're fighting underwater. What what do you mean, like punching? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No,
1: there's boats
0: that go under the water. You just can't see them, and they can sink you. He's like, the Hunley? (laughs) (laughs) Like the Hunley? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Germany's plan was to lure a portion of the Navy out to trap and destroy their ships, evening the numbers and effectively evening the score. The Germans sent five small battlecruisers to engage a cluster of battleships in hopes that those ships would pursue them back to the larger fleet where they would be outnumbered. A squadron of Royal Navy ships did in fact pursue those five cruisers, but spotted the waiting fleet earlier than intended. The squadron turned back, but before they could successfully retreat, they lost two of their large battleships, taking them from a squadron of ten ships total down to eight. Thoughts?
1: Uh, battleships quite large. Okay. Uh, I would think hard to sink, but okay. they, two of them were sunk, bringing the total number. I would say, in my opinion, uh, down to eight from ten.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: <laughs> I'm reading. I'm reading off a piece of yeah. paper. <laughs>
0: At this point, the squadron warned the rest of the Royal Navy that the entire German fleet was in the North Sea. Oh my god! Something they had been unaware of prior to the engagement with the five smaller ships. Good lord. Yeah. The German fleet pursued the squadron as they retreated back toward the entire waiting Royal Navy. As night fell, the two fleets engaged in all-out war. By dawn, 14 British ships had sunk, 11 German ships had sunk, And the death toll stood at 9,823 casualties across both fleets. Were you wondering who won?
1: I, yes. Okay. It seems like everyone's lost at this point.
0: Yeah, well, they both claimed victory. Oh, okay. Yeah. But in reality, it was more like a devastatingly expensive draw. (laughs) The British had lost more ships and twice as many soldiers, but they had prevented the German fleet from advancing. The Germans, on the other hand, had indeed destroyed a substantial part of the fleet, but at the cost of a substantial part of their own. So, seems like no one won.
1: War, what is it good for? I guess Uh, the British... That everyone wins. Yeah, the (laughs)
0: British got their goal, but at great human cost. Uh, (laughs) More than anything, what was lost for the British was morale. Up until now, their fleet had been unstoppable, a force they could always rely on to protect them, and that fleet had barely survived a battle with the Germans. This forces the UK to rebuild and retrain their navy to backfill for the ships they lost, and it takes them almost two full years to do so in the midst of an ongoing war.
1: But they still won the Battle of
0: Jutland. Yeah, but so did Germany. But the English won. But the Germans also won. Right, and the English won. And the, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So with a host of new ships, submarines, and a renewed desire to display the might of the Royal Navy, the UK sends their entire fleet back to the North Sea. The goal here was for the fleet to practice scenarios and formations based on the Battle of Jutland to essentially prepare for a rematch.
1: (laughs) Again, we're back here in two years. Yeah, yeah. It seems like most of uh, naval warfare, as I understand it, is displaying might. Yeah. that, That seems to be a great deal of it. Yeah, that you have a lot of cool ships, and you're like, people got, need to see these. Yeah, I kind of want to get these out there. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that we're not fighting right now. Yeah, I mean,
0: let's. I mean, let's get something going, right? Yeah. Let's spin something up. Yeah, yeah. On January 31st, 1918, 40 naval vessels set out from Rosyth, Scotland. Rossit <laughs> Rosset. Rosset, Bound for Orkney, where exercises with the Grand Fleet would take place the following day. The Grand Fleet was the Royal Navy's primary battle fleet composed of large and small cruisers, huge battleships, and flotillas of submarines. The submarines in particular were a unique feature. They were still new at the time, and as a result, often slower than their above-water counterparts. These submarines had been fitted with steam turbines, allowing them to travel at 24 knots when surfaced to keep up with the rest of the fleet. At around 6.30 p.m., the entire fleet maneuvered into designated formations and set out for the North Sea. All of the vessels were ordered to sail astern of each other and maintain a distance of 400 yards between vessels. As the sun set, the ships were also asked to sail with only a small, dim blue light on the stern and blackout shield over all other lights. In addition, they were all asked to maintain radio silence. That's how I drive. <laughs> lights off, blackout shields over everything, radio No radio. Silent. Yeah. <laughs> The Royal Navy did not want any more surprises. Knowing that the fleet had been secretly waiting for them in 1916, they knew it absolutely could happen again. The entire fleet had to travel in dark silence.
1: Why don't they just utilize pigeons as uh, scouts for
0: reconnaissance? carry, like, pestilence?
1: No, that's not actually a bad idea. I was Mm -hmm. thinking report back with a series of chirp sequences. Yeah. It can be done, and who better (laughs) The the British Royal Navy.
0: I'm sure they tried it. (laughs) Approximately a half hour later, as the fleet passed May Island, they increased speed just as a misty fog descended. In the distance, they saw a series of lights, most likely Admiralty trawlers looking for sea mines, but in the fog, they couldn't be sure. The leading cruisers of the fleet sharply adjusted course to avoid the lights, believing them to possibly be a U-boat changing direction so fast caused one of the submarines' engines to jam for 6 minutes putting them behind and throwing the ships out of formation. Uh yeah, that's a uh, They're displaying something. Could see how that's a problem. Yeah. In darkness with no lights and radio silence and sight hampered by the fog, the ships and submarines had no way to know that they were now traveling much closer to one of the submarines than they previously thought and even worse, they didn't realize they had changed direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> K-14, the submarine whose engine had stalled, attempted to get back into formation, but unfortunately another submarine, K-22, had lost sight of the formation in the mist. K-22 collided with K-14 as they were trying to re-enter the formation. The impact completely severed the bow of K-14 and killed at least two men instantly. Okay. Even worse, the submarines were now stuck together. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, and if we learned anything from the, uh, was it Halifax?
1: <laughs> with the long pole on the front?
0: <laughs> well, if you get your if two ships are stuck together, don't just pull them apart.
1: Oh yes, yes, I I was I, was, that I was getting confused with the uh, Hunley. Oh right. Was it that was it the Halifax? There was that there was one No, ex- it wasn't the Halifax. It was another ship where pulling it out. Ex- made it allowed, explode. It might have been the Norse or the Atlantic. Wow. We're wow. really showing the asses here.
0: Either way. Yeah.
1: It's like another thing.
0: The advice still stands.
1: I'm yeah. heating it. I'm yeah. not gonna get mine. Yeah ship stuck with anyone <laughs> and subsequently <laughs> removed the ship sure. i don't know yeah, keep yeah. going hey, read won't uh-huh.
0: you mm-hmm. after k-14 and k-22 pulled themselves apart they turned on red lights and k-22 reached out over radio to tell the other ships that they would be able to reach port but k-14 was sinking and fast there was a delay in radio communication and one of the battle cruisers behind the submarines in formation didn't see the lights in the fog Battlecruiser Inflexible struck the rear of K-22. Is
1: that really <laughs> the name you want?
0: <laughs> inflexible? I know.
1: I, I get that. Like, you hubris. don't want a ship to be flexible. Yes. Like, you want it to be rigid and yeah. and, and, and forward-pointing, uh, you know, but inflexible.
0: I know. The hubris when naming ships. Amazing. It always seems to go wrong. The unsinkable. Yeah. More radio calls went out, but again, with the fog and the boats on radio silence, the messages were received sporadically. The Ithuriel, a battle cruiser leading the other flotilla of submarines, radioed the fleet to let them know they were turning around to assist the sinking K fourteen and K twenty two. Unfortunately, this message would not be received until almost two hours later, due to the technology of the time.
1: did the radio signal go the wrong way around the planet? What happened? Don't know, what
0: technology? Yeah, I, uh,
1: like a, a lowly crew member running and <laughs> getting stuck on a pipe? I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not sure
0: the ethereal and other subs made their way back toward the crash but because the message hadn't been relayed in time and the fog was still th- and the fog was still thick they collided with the other flotilla of submarines
1: it's so funny that Uh, You would think a fleet of ships and submarines would have more organizational, like, structure than walking 12 dogs. I know. (laughs) But it's It's, it's just, like, weaving in and out into each other, wrapping leashes around one another. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my
0: God. So a totally different sub, K-17, was struck by the fearless (laughs) leader of the 12th flotilla and sank in under eight minutes, killing nearly all 48 crew members. Oh, my God. Okay. This is like like they're going out in this huge show of force <laughs> to conquer the German <laughs> navy by surprise and instead they just end up sinking their entire fleet themselves. <laughs>
1: it's, really, it's really unfortunate how like slapsticky this is. Like <laughs> you're in, you're in
0: you're in two subs and you've already crashed and it's like wow this is bad. <laughs> oh, help is coming. Brr, and the, the other ship just <laughs> slams into you. <laughs> and, then, and, then it's like, and then simultaneously another ship slams into another submarine. Oh, God. Wow. The ships involved in the collisions, which at this point is like six, Many. I think. Yeah, yeah. you're counting the submarines, too. Yeah. Uh, this, so, yeah, the ships involved in the collision sounded sirens signaling for the other ships and submarines to stop. You ready for this?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the
0: subs in front stopped. Yeah. The subs behind those subs did not hear the sirens in time. (laughs) K4 stopped for the sirens and K6 collided with them head on, nearly ripping K4 in half. Dude. (laughs) Hang on. We're not done yet. Okay. As the K-4 sank with its entire crew on board, it was hit again by K-7, destroying what was left. (laughs) Meanwhile, as the few members of K-17 swam to the surface to try and escape, battlecruisers sailed directly over the wreckage, unaware of positioning in the fog any crew members who had managed to escape the sinking sub were killed instantly by the cruisers. Oh, my God. Yeah. In only 75 minutes, two submarines had sunk completely, three had been badly damaged, and 105 people had died. Oh, my God. Again, there were no enemy combatants here. <laughs> this is just the British Royal Navy <laughs> crashing into Displaying itself two over years and over work and over.
1: Of training and construction yes, in yeah. a show of might.
0: Holy naval prowess, unlike
1: that, the world has ever seen.
0: Yeah. So it became known as the Battle of May, as kind of a dark joke, because again, no enemy crafts or soldiers were involved, but the Royal Navy still suffered a number of casualties.
1: Oh my god.
0: The captains of the K-boats and organizers of the fleet were court-martialed. Yeah, makes sense. And the entire incident was investigated. However, information surrounding the incident was not released publicly until 1994, once all involved had passed away. A memorial was constructed in 2002 on the 42nd anniversary of the disaster. You know there was somebody who was just like, had all this info and was just Ooh, yeah, just I ready wish I to could. Go, yeah. But also,
1: you know, I, I, would, I would, assume as important to winning a war is the hearts and minds of your people. And and what wh- better way to do that? I, and when this happened, they were probably like, "We gotta, we gotta sit on this. Yeah, you know? we, we can't, gotta, we gotta keep. We this
0: can't let this get out. Under wraps. This is bad you know? for us. It's like we, we really
1: need people to like get behind us, and we
0: can't be. just can out. you imagine. Something, a submarine crashes into you, then another submarine crashes into you. I, I actually don't remember how many subs crashed into Many in subs K-17. crashed into other subs. Whatever, you're sinking. You managed to get out of a sub and out of the fog, <laughs> burr, a battleship <laughs> just collides with you and kills you. Holy hell.
1: Yeah, it's it's really bad. This is basically the, the wartime naval version of those videos of icy downhill streets. Where yeah, <laughs> every,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Every
1: 30 seconds, another car's just like, <laughs> it slides full headlong mm-hmm. at only like a handful of miles per hour into the cars that have yeah. just done the same thing, yeah. and then you wait a little bit, and then a semi truck will <laughs> just jackknife, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and 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 it's it just keeps happening, it just keeps it never, it happening, end, yeah. yeah.
0: So each year, the Submariners Association holds a commemorative service to honor those who lost their lives. Submariners Association, I would love to get some free merch.
1: Yeah, if we could get some <laughs> Submariner strip, that would be really in- yeah, incredible, yeah, yeah. For, of course, for those uh, who lost their, their
0: lives. And sorry we made day. fun of this so much. Yeah,
1: sorry we made yeah. fun of it. But you are the ones that didn't publish it until everyone <laughs> that would have appreciated the memorial uh, died. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, their families. So that's the Battle of May. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. was, uh, oh, um, so that
0: was That was <laughs> something else. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn filmmaking from Martin Scorsese, the art of storytelling from Neil Gaiman, or Texas-style barbecue from Aaron Franklin. With over 180 classes from a range of world-class instructors, That thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. I've been watching the Werner Herzog Filmmaking Masterclass. It's great. I love him. I love his movies. He also just has a great voice and is super fun to listen to. He's got 26 lessons on there. You got everything from financing your first films, locations, cinematography, camera techniques, how to work with actors, everything, editing, sound, you name it. I'm also going to check out that Aaron Franklin barbecue one because, uh, I don't live in Texas, and it's harder to get good barbecue up here, so maybe I could just learn how to make it myself. I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give one annual membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash shiphitsfan today. That's masterclass.com slash shiphitsfan. Terms apply.
1: There are few ways to feel more free outside than when you are riding on a bike, especially an e-bike, you can visit so many places that you've been meaning to explore. From around town to just going the distance, there is so much to see and you can experience even more with electric bike. The brand new Electric XP 3.0 is designed to handle tougher terrain and longer trips, giving you the best ride yet. And for a limited time, you can save up to $250 on their Black Friday bundle with the purchase of any 3.0, light, or premium electric bike, only available now through November 25th. You're wondering, what excites me about the 3.0? What are my favorite things? Well, it's comfortable as heck. It's got a super soft seat, the suspension is great, it can take so many terrains, which makes it really fun to ride. It's also got a throttle, so you can sit back, take it easy, and run your errands, or commute, or just go out for fun without having to really push yourself. It is a powerful companion for new adventures. It can cover up to 45 miles on one charge, and reach up to 28 miles per hour with the powerful 500-watt motor, which is extremely quiet, which is very nice, but still all the same, Very powerful. It comes with a stronger rear rack that can support all sorts of stuff, including a passenger up to 150 pounds if you get the passenger package. The bikes are foldable and they ship free, fully assembled, so you will be on the road in no time. And the battery is removable. You've got a bright LCD display, 7-speed gearing, 5 levels of pedal assist. What more could you want? What do you want from me, huh? I'm giving you everything here. Well, electric is. Anyway, it's surprisingly affordable. You get the best bang for your buck in the industry. And you can make it your own. Customize it. Adjust it. It's got amazing features and... 200,000 dedicated riders on the road so far. Could be 200,001 if you start your next adventure with Electric XP 3.0 today. Order now and save up to $250 with a special Black Friday bundle. Visit electricbikes.com to learn more. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S eBikes.com.
0: Uh Would you like to talk about another disastrous military uh, fleet?
1: Yeah, but surely this one won't be uh, an innumerable amount of deaths because of no enemy
0: combatants, will it? Oh. Uh, uh, well. Okay. Yeah, it is. Really? Yeah. So Kublai Khan was the grandson of Genghis Khan.
1: Like going, so many in the world at this uh, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> We're going way back. All the way back. Yeah. He's also the founder of the Yuan Dynasty in China during the 1200s and the fifth Kagan Emperor of the Mongol Empire from 1260 to 1294. But you already knew that. Yes. He was about 12 years old when his grandfather, Genghis Khan, died, leaving behind a power vacuum. As Kublai grew older, he was forced to fight a civil war between his own two brothers to take control of the Mongol and Chinese empires. Damn. Upon assuming control of the empire, I guess he won, his influence reached from the Pacific Ocean to the Black Sea, including all of Siberia and modern-day Afghanistan. But there was one little piece of land he had his eye on that had yet to be conquered. Japan. Oh, like so many.
1: Yeah. I was like, I
0: want that. Now Kublai Khan had successfully conquered most of Korea and he assumed Japan would easily follow suit. If you've played Ghost of Tsushima, you know that this is not the case. Yeah, it's and a video only, game.
1: Only if you've played that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this time Japan was ruled by Shiken or regents of the Hojo clan who had intermarried with family members of the Kamakura Shogunate and thus seized power through marriage. This shifted the balance of power in Japan.
1: We got to bring back these marriage pacts and and inter you know, family, marriages, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's exciting stuff. I just finished House of the Dragon. <laughs> it seems to be working out for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Previously, when making decisions, multiple clans and the imperial court would be consulted. But instead, now the Hojo clan made decisions in a vacuum, consulting only their own clan and plotting strategy in their homes instead of the palace where court or other clans might intervene. Oh, good. In 1266, Kublai Khan dispatched emissaries to Japan to demand that they voluntarily become a vassal state under his empire and pay him tribute as Khan. The Japanese refused. In 1267 and in 1268, Kublai Khan sent additional emissaries with more letters, but again and again, Japan refused to join his empire.
1: I have once again taken to writing you.
0: (laughs) Please. I hope this finds you well. Dear Japan. Cheers, Kublai Khan let's get together for drinks soon (laughs) whatever you decide hugs kisses (laughs) they attempted to send more and more emissaries from 1268 to 1272 but they were no longer allowed to even set foot on japanese soil instead their boats were left in the harbor and their letters retrieved by members of the imperial guard and maybe it sounds kind of rude to not even send responses back they're leaving kubla on red but here's an excerpt from one of kubla khan's letters to japan from 1267. But now, under our sage emperor, all under the light of the sun and the moon are his subjects. You stupid little <laughs> barbarians. Do you dare to defy us by not submitting? Okay, listen, yeah.
1: to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. <laughs> it must have been really frustrating for Kubla Khan to have literally everything except for this little island. Right. Let's give, let's give this guy a break, you know? What is he
0: supposed to do? How's it and he's gotta live up to Genghis? I know. Oh, Come on. Yeah. That must be impossible. Who you among know, us? You know that drove almost every decision he ever made. Oh
1: my god. Yeah. <laughs> the shadow the, the, of Genghis. The, the guy might as well have still been alive yeah, the way yeah, he yeah. guided those yeah. decisions. And I'm disappointed. Sure. And as a stupid little barbarian, you know what? I would I submit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I submit. And to be honest, like at some point if you're if somebody keeps sending you letters being like, your house is mine now. <laughs> At some point, I'm not responding anymore. I don't know if we can.
1: Does that count as a swear? I don't don't know.
0: know. I think we can also do that. Yeah, Yeah, it's fine. One of the largest, if not the largest, armies in the world was knocking at Japan's door, sending direct threats of violence, and they sent them back empty handed every time. Kind of amazing that it took this long for them to be like, we're coming. Like, I mean, what is it? This started in 1266, and at this point, we are in. 1272, I think. No, 1274.
1: That's one of those things, you know, like you're trying to figure stuff out with insurance and you could probably figure it out in a week or two, but like it's so taxing to stay on the phone on hold for an hour that like you drag it out. It ends up taking eight months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the same. Exact same thing. It's the exact same thing.
0: Kublai Khan assembles his fleet with the intention of attacking the islands of Tsushima and Iki first before proceeding through the rest of the archipelago. It takes him months to assemble the fleet, but in 1274, he sets sail with approximately 40,000 soldiers from all over his kingdom.
1: I'm putting together a team. That's a lot.
0: That's a lot of guys. The Japanese, on the other hand, it is estimated had 4,000 to 6,000 fighters at the ready. Most soldiers from clans pledged to protect the shogun, some were samurai, but some are just clan members who own a sword and can travel. They had vacation days at work. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Kublai Khan's forces set out from modern-day Korea and landed on Komodo Beach on Tsushima Island two days later. At Komoda Beach, 80 samurai warriors on horseback faced 8,000 soldiers on 900 ships of the Khan's fleet.
1: I do remember that from the game. Yeah, <laughs> that, was clearly, actually. In the game, yeah that was yeah, the yeah. opening yeah, scenes of the game. Yeah.
0: The 80 samurai were outmatched and the Mongol fleet took over Tsushima in a matter of days. They then moved on to the island of Iki, where again they secured a swift victory. However, one of the samurai from Iki escaped on a ship to the mainland where he was able to report the defeat and warn the mainland of the advancing army. The Mongols landed in Hakata only days later, and despite marshaling an army of thousands, Within 24 hours, one third of the samurai fighting for Japan were dead and the Mongols had started burning the nearby villages and pushing further inland. The next day, the Japanese retreated to a castle with a moat and fortifications to await another battle from the Khan's forces. Uh-huh. They never showed up. Oh.
1: Yeah. okay. Ghosting them.
0: Yeah. yeah. They did send scouts out to the bay to find that nearly all of the Khan's ships were gone too. It's a miracle. <laughs> Seemingly overnight, one of the most overwhelming naval and military forces in the world had just vanished. Uh,
1: uh They were just
0: gone. Oh. Without a trace. That's a lucky break. Yeah. There are two different accounts of what happened, but they both agree on one thing. There was definitely a giant storm. Okay. (laughs) Yes. No one's suggesting otherwise. The Japanese account from the time says that while they awaited daylight to attack again, a storm arose and dashed their ships on the rocks of Hakata Bay. Some of the Khan's records indicate that they believed they had already sufficiently beaten Japan and were headed back to Korea when a storm scattered the fleet in the open sea.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, we actually won and yeah, decided to just leave with everyone. Yeah, so we took everyone so and So we left. took everyone and left. We did what we, ca- what we set out to do. Yeah, now yeah. they'll answer our letters. Yeah, so... Like rem- going to
0: beat up a pen pal. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of which story you want to believe, thousands of soldiers, sailors, and ships disappeared.
1: Yeah, this is like if you look up big, like biggest, like ship disasters or maritime disasters. Mm -hmm. This is number one all the time. Yeah, this is what appears at the top of those lists.
0: Yeah, and it happened so long ago that there just isn't like enough to do a full thing on. Really, like it's been on our list since season one, but it it's just too. Too long ago. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? but hey. You and everyone died. <laughs> everyone died, but be excited. But because of the oh. changes in our atmosphere,
1: these storms will definitely be happening more often. Oh, yeah. So we're going to lose a lot so more Stay tuned for that. conquering armies. If you have a 40,000 men that you're planning on taking somewhere, be advised. You may yep. get dashed against the rocks. At Hakata. Yes, at Hakata Bay.
0: The Khan con continued to send letters threatening another invasion, and the Shogun continued to decapitate his messengers. Whoa. We run into this problem a lot. Yeah. With in Van our Mill. communications, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm always, sen- I'm keep sending messengers to your house to just kind of have you review scripts, and you keep sending me their heads. I don't even know who's doing that. It's like when, I, by the time I see it's it, it's signed. The head's
1: Char- yeah, that's that's so weird. I mm-hmm. guess I have to. I'll have to look into that. Okay. Can you send someone to remind me? Yeah,
0: yeah, I'll send. I have someone. I, I have someone I can send. <laughs> so in 1281, the Khan sends an additional invading fleet, but splits them between two cities. One lands successfully, but with a much smaller army than intended, and the other can't make landfall due to the rocky terrain of the bay. So I, I don't know. They I guess they're just shouting, intimidating things to the mainland. I.
1: I guess, yeah. You better
0: hope we don't find a way through these Ooh, rocks. <laughs>
1: you're lucky that these rocks are here. Yep.
0: I'm, I don't know what I'd do if there were no rock. Yeah. But the previous disappearance of the Khan's fleet in 1274 was only a preview of what was to come. Really? Mm-hmm. August 15th, 1281, the Khan's fleet was anchored in Hakata Bay, and the fighting had come to a stalemate. The weather was bad, and some of the Chinese and Korean ships in the fleet sensed that it was going to get worse. They fled to Imari Bay for shelter, but it did no good. Ooh. A huge typhoon destroyed nearly all the ships in Hakata Bay and Imari Bay. This type of storm is referred to as kamikaze in Japanese, which means divine wind. Wow. Following the storm, one surviving commander picked the best ships that were still seaworthy and sailed away without stopping to rescue any of the other soldiers, leaving nearly the entire fleet to die. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I got... I, my ship was actually fine. Don't uh, no see one anything. was there. do Just turn
0: around. <laughs> back up. Back up. Pretend back you didn't up. see it. Pretend you didn't see it. <laughs> Just row it with their eyes. Yeah, shit. yeah. Some survivors did make it to Taka Island, but they were captured by the Japanese days later. With his entire fleet destroyed and most of his resources tied up in the war, the Khan never attempted to take Japan again. Yeah, it seems like something... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not only is there definitely a god... Uh-huh. But he really is, doesn't want you to take Japan.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He loves Japan. <laughs> he loves Japan so much that he mm-hmm. will blow his wind all over your fleet. Yeah. That is, it's is—it's—it's hard to believe, but also, like, you know, it happened. Yeah. So you have to believe it. Yeah. And it's on this show. We've said it many times. If mm-hmm. we talk about something on an episode,
0: it's true. Okay. Let's move up a few years. Yeah. Like almost a thousand. Really? Like 800 years Oh later. my goodness. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. so many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah 9-11. Yeah, yeah. Oh.
1: That yeah. happened on land. It did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So following the tragic events of 9-11, 2001... The site where the World Trade Center once stood was excavated for the purpose of building a memorial on the site. Uh, for those unaware, uh,
1: 9/11 tragedy was when uh, commercial airline planes were flown into the towers in Manhattan, downtown Manhattan financial district. Yep. And uh, they remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I don't know, and we, we may know. have some Zoomer listeners. That's kind of the divide. I think they between still know. I feel like Zoomers. that's taught now. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. There was one that hit the Pentagon. Thank you. Uh, and another. Uh, field in Pennsylvania was brought down by the passengers of that flight.
0: Yes. During the excavation, they discovered... In
1: 2011, Osama okay. bin Laden was brought to justice. Yes.
0: During the excavation, they discovered a full wooden ship at the base of the towers. Whoa! Yeah. It was just there the it, whole time. It was the ship's
1: magic what fueled world trade.
0: <laughs> yeah. Archaeologists were immediately called in to assist in removing the remains of the ship and more importantly, to find out how it got there.
1: <laughs> that is That would be the question,
0: isn't it? Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. In removing the wood structure from the site, it was discovered that the wood from the ship dated back to approximately 1773 huh. and matched samples from early revolutionary structures in Philadelphia.
1: Oh, yo, go birds! Go birds! Fly! Eagles fly! Go Phils! Go fighting! That's right. By this time, we'll have definitely won the World Series. And, yeah, yeah. We'll not be this comes out. these words. Yeah. <laughs> and probably the Super Bowl. Holy crap. Creed III is coming the out. The birds are going to take yeah, it Yeah, the year?
0: birds are going to take it, definitely. All right. So how did it get there? How did a ship from 1773 uh, in Philadelphia end up underneath the, the former Trade tallest Center? buildings in the world? Uh, the ship, identified as a sloop, is believed to have been <laughs> built in a small shipyard in Philadelphia around the time of the Revolutionary War. Hmm. Are you familiar with the shipyard? Uh, it would have been small and in Philadelphia. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. it would have been about 200-some years old if it still stood, Yeah, yeah which yeah. it well, doesn't. It's listen, gone.
1: I'll tell you right now, most of the things in Philadelphia are 200 years old. Yeah, at least. They, have you ever ridden a, a road bike over cobblestone streets? Yeah, of course. It's unfortunate. It sucks. Yeah, it's
0: awful. Following the war in 1790, New York was growing rapidly, specifically the island of Manhattan. But In order to accommodate the rapidly growing population, they attempted to fill in portions of the Hudson River to create more land to build on. Yeah, unfortunately, transporting dirt and enough dirt to fill in that large of an area was prohibitively expensive. They used boats that were out of commission and would have been used for scrap lumber to deliver landfill materials, and then included the boats right along with the dirt. That is so cool. It's kind of clever. That is, yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's it's it is clever. So you
0: fill a boat with dirt, park it, and then just bury the boat. Put more dirt on top of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's insane. Oh my
1: god! It's like the
0: bodies in the Great Wall of China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bones. Yeah. They buried over the boats they didn't use, and then built on top of them. Huh? Yeah. The ship was excavated and transported to the Maryland Archaeological Conservation Library. Eventually, they plan to display the ship in New York alongside a reproduction of how it would have looked in its prime. They're just gonna drop it into the pools at ground zero. (laughs) Yeah. Even more interesting, this is not the only time this has happened. Many of America's coastal cities were expanded over docks and old ships that were used as landfill materials. As these buildings change, are repaired, or torn down, we will likely continue to find ships like this for years to come. That's amazing.
1: It's like how you can't build uh, a subway tunnel in Italy without finding some ancient house or mansion or part of civilization previously thought lost. Mm -hmm. And then you have to stop
0: everything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's not a good place to buy land with the intention of developing. uh, Certainly not if you're uh, tunneling. Flippers, uh, be warned. Flippers, be warned. Not don't stay out of Italy.
1: But if you're going to America and you want to find a boat, it sounds like we've got them in spades.
0: Yeah, uh, just a uh, you know I, that's insane. Old oh,
1: Martian Riverland.
0: So they're digging out the remains of the, they're like clearing out the remains of the World Trade Center. Find a ship and like this is insane. And then it's like, oh no no no, it's actually not. This whole island is built on these. Yeah, well, New York especially
1: uh, Manhattan. It you know if the things pumping water out of there stopped it would be underwater in days it, it, yeah it is, yeah, it is yeah. a wet place we, yeah. we've seen flooding from like hurricanes and stuff and so like it's 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 wild to how much it's been built out uh, mm. it, and it's so interesting how much of it includes yes revolutionary era wooden sloops constructed uh just a few hours south in Philadelphia well I guess yeah. by sailing probably a couple of days
0: no no' yes. well, still pretty quick right pretty, fairly quick so. yeah, yeah I guess so, yeah. Yeah.
1: it's a bit, maybe like a day. Yeah. No, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> nope. No one cares. <laughs> fly, eagles, fly on the road to victory. And we a go to Ship hits the fan. Go over it. Way back at the beginning of this very season, we covered the Vasa, an yeah. ill-fated Swedish warship that was overladen with cannons and beautifully rendered wooden carvings. Uh, from scenes of the Bible, mm-hmm. the ship sank almost immediately upon setting off on its maiden voyage in the sixteen hundreds, and it now lives in a museum where it gives researchers an unprecedented look into shipbuilding techniques of the time. If you want to learn more, listen to the episode. Yeah. In fact, listen to the backlog if you haven't yet. All the episodes oh, yeah. are good.
0: Also, yeah, uh, notable because it was incredibly well preserved despite having been at the bottom of the ocean since hundreds the of sixteen hundreds. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's uh, we've we've gotten a lot of. Uh, Photos and messages from people that have actually been to the museum in Sweden, and mm-hmm. the ship looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, it is it is really spectacular. What you may not know is that the Vasa had a sister ship called Applet, oh. the Apple. Uh, launched in 1629, this ship was constructed by the same shipbuilders that made the Vasa. Uh, the reason we're talking about it now is it was recently discovered. Oh. That's right, in a strait outside of Stockholm uh, off an island. A maritime archaeologist, Jim Hansen, is quoted as saying, quote, the Puppet guy? Hanson. Oh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't deal in, in marionettes or got puppetry it, got or it. any such. Yeah. You know, uh, he's quoted as saying, Our pulses raced when we saw how similar the wreck was to the Vasa. And it does have remarkable similarities to the construction of that ship. And it is very, it's definitely the applet. It's been confirmed. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is happening currently. It was found uh, this year. Okay. One notable detail is that a valuable lesson was taken from the Vasa, and the applet is designed by the shipbuilders to have been wider, so she was more stable. Right, So, Because the Vasa tipped
0: over. It tipped over very quickly. It was extremely top-heavy, and it sank.
1: But, like, pretty cool that they, like, because, you know, the the Swedish uh, Empire? Countries, the Swedes. I don't know. They went on to be pretty successful at uh, controlling the sea. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn that they, you have to assume that they learned from their mistakes. Anyway, uh, the Applet clearly also sank, yeah. much like the Vasa. Yeah, but unlike the Vasa, her end was intentional. Oh, uh, the ship was sunk when she was no longer deemed seaworthy after being used in the Thirty Years' War, mm-hmm. uh, and they did it to create an underwater barrier between Stockholm and the sea. So they scuttled the ship.
0: Uh. Okay. Yep.
1: It just does that work. Um. I've not been to Stockholm. Yeah. Let alone by sea, and mm-hmm. I also haven't really piloted larger vessels that maybe would be hindered by the placement of a war- wooden warship. How big was the barrier between Stockholm so and the sea? So big. I don't know. That, sh- that <laughs> one ship. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, whatever. It's yeah, big yeah. Ship. It's cool. You know, either it's, way, it's not going to so cool. help you sail into sure, the port. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um. But that's. That's a little update, uh, a fun, cool little detail. They're finding ships all the time, and it's really <laughs> – you hear this? They're finding ships all the time. But As a people, we can't stop we finding ships. can't stop ships. finding ships, especially since we started this show. But yeah. I think the most interesting detail for this for me is that they just did it on purpose after its predecessor yeah, yeah, yeah. had, yeah. like, failed and sank yeah. and was a triumph mm-hmm. uh, when they found it. Anyway, Ship Hits the Fan is researched and written by Paige Wesley. It's edited by Nick Schwartz and Kelly Reynolds. Art by Stevie
0: Hogan. Yeah, and uh, Bleached Bones by you, the listener. Oh. In these sands. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bones Bleached, Sands Approved. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.